Dave, how's it going? So you wouldn't believe this. Um, Southwest, now with all the consolidation with U.S. Airways and American, they mm-hmm. are they had to free up all kind of gates at Ronald Reagan. So now there are two flights daily from Canton, Akron to Ronald Reagan, um, for <laughs> fifty nine bucks each way. And, and fifty nine bucks. The fifty nine bucks sounds like friend sounds like friend prices. That sounds like yeah. They're, dangling that in front of you so that you'll 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 make the switch right it's more expensive to take a cab from reagan to the office <laughs> so they're definitely i mean because that's more than jet fuel probably costs for them right yeah, they have know. to be taking a loss on that i don't know yeah it's amazing and and, and you'll have to fly southwest right um, so what i'm doing is, is i'm letting the other people that i ordinarily fly with like fly on that which i'm sure they'll go for it because I'm, I'm you know the other thing i like about the u.s airways flight is that it's a regional jet so it boards faster and you get out of there faster mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right even though you can't take a carry-on even though you get a gate check well i don't I, I i've taken a lesson out of your book and i i make it so i can take a carry-on nice nice mm-hmm. attaboy yeah well done how about you good my family is now reunited um after three weeks in uh stockholm my wife and child are back at home. It's amazing. Uh, and the difference between my son at nine weeks old and my son at now nearly 12 weeks old is incredible. Mm. Uh, just the, the amount of, I mean, he's more alert. He's laughing now, which oh. he wasn't before. Nice. Um, he's responsive. Um, and he, you hold him and he feels stronger. It just, it's, this is, you hear every parent will talk about this, and it's boring if you don't have a kid. And uh, for that, I apologize. But it really is amazing to see how quickly they grow. Yep. Uh, and uh, to be able to <laughs> take a three-week break and then come back and you see three weeks worth of uh, worth of patches and bug fixes, it's it's really it's <laughs> it's pretty incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, it just goes faster too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. speaking uh, of of patches and bug fixes, what do we have lined up for this week? Yeah, so we've got a quick episode because both of us have a call at the top of the hour. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about uh, Apple's lock-in empire, uh, but a whole bunch of stuff on autonomous vehicles uh, and how to use uh, improvisational theater uh, as a way of life. Nice. Yeah, so we're, so folks want to uh, see uh, photos of, of my beautiful family, maybe, um, if they want to learn more about Southwest's amazing deal from Kent Akron to DCA. Uh, where did they, where did they go Dave? Yeah, they should be an advertiser. Um, they should go to uh, dgshow.org. So D is in Dave, G is in Gunner, show.org. Nice. And uh, what's on the cutting room floor this week? Oh boy, we got uh, Tor Toro by Oculus Rift. We got DOD PowerPoints, Tumblr, and uh, which passwords you absolutely need to change this week and also turn on two-factor authentication. Yes, excellent. Uh, yeah, that Totoro link is definitely worth visiting. Somebody has recreated the bus stop scene from my friend Totoro in Oculus Rift. So you can actually, it's from the anime. You can actually walk around in the world, and the amount of detail is just breathtaking. It's, oh. uh, yeah, it's totally amazing. Hmm. Uh, cool. So uh, tell me about Soylent in uh, Youngstown. Yeah, so this isn't like Soylent Green or anything like that, but you know, with the whole theme of people figuring out alternative ways to uh 
get nutrients. Um, there's a mm-hmm. company in Youngstown um, that has uh, they they have a cricket farm. Um, so they're coming out with a product called Chirps that is made out of uh, uh, cricket flour. Gross. What's the uh, why would I ever do that? Um, well, I guess you know it's better for you. Uh, it's protein. It's instead of regular old flour. I don't know if it's gluten free. It's um, uh, it's also more, you know, environmentally effective to grow crickets than it is to plant grain and fertilizers and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. So you you uh, you first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sold. I don't care if you give it the cute name Chirps. I'm. I'm not sold on this. Yep. I don't believe in this at all. Uh, hey, good news on the uh, scratch front. Yeah. Um, our, one of our one of our favorite uh, favorite programming environments, mm-hmm. Scratch. Uh, is now open source as of version 2.0. Yeah, and now finals are wrapping up for Lauren, so she could actually get some patches going. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where that can... Because I mean, the following behind Scratch really is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just a really vibrant community around it. And now that it's open, I can't wait to see what kind of like extensions and stuff people are yes. uh, people are going to be able to add to the, to the environment. It'll be real cool. It was, yeah, it was a huge difference. Um, just going web-based, um, it makes it so much more easily accessible to kids where it's like, you don't have to install anything and you just, it's all done in a browser. It's, it's really cool. And to me, it's like the difference between having an email client and going to Gmail, um, and you know, how you could access it everywhere. So I think this is going to make scratch even, uh, more attractive to people. So that's awesome that it's finally open source now. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, and by stark contrast, uh, Apple <laughs> yesterday announced, uh, that, um, <laughs> if you didn't learn objective C yet, don't worry about it. Uh, cause you don't have to anymore. Uh, now they have the new, this new language swift, mm-hmm. um, which purports to be, uh, more secure. Um, uh, anyway, there's a bunch of kind of nerdy advantages to Swift. Um, but what, what struck me the most was Apple had the temerity to release a new opera, a new programming language and not make it open source. It's a proprietary language. Yep. So Apple owns the language. They own the tools to develop software in that language. They own exclusively the means of distribution. Uh, that is in order to sell an app, written in this language on their tools you have to go through their marketplaces right the uh the os10 mm-hmm. uh app store or the uh, or the or the itunes um and in order to sell anything through that apple takes 30 percent of your revenue yes this is like why would anyone ever write anything for apple and the answer is of course that they have literally hundreds of millions of customers locked into this particular platform um but you know, but we might have talked about on the show before about how, you know, one of the reasons why Amazon can lower the price of EC2, you know, every couple of weeks, um, they can lower the price on this cloud service is because they're charging up the Death Star, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're just making the platform more and more attractive. And eventually one day the hammer is going to come down and we're all going to pay the price. Uh, as near as I can tell, this is Apple charging up the Death Star, yeah. right? Um, they have slowly eaten every part of their own ecosystem. Um, they run, it, it is a vertical integration, right? Um, yep. They own the language, they own the tools, they own the distribution, um, and they own the store. So, yeah, so that's th- it. this should be, uh, somebody should redo the uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford uh, song, uh, 16 Tons, and then uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> put it up on iTunes. <laughs> that's right, 16 gigs. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and what do you get? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, and in case you're wondering why would I ever care if I was locked into Apple, um, 
there was an article on Read Write Web, which actually I, to, was of interest to me because I was struck by this bug uh, myself, and so was my wife. Um, moving from an iPhone to an Android phone, you will frequently get struck by, you will stop receiving text messages. Uh, and it's because Apple will tell everyone who uses an iPhone that you are also using an iPhone mm-hmm. and that you are using their own proprietary iMessages service. Yeah. So instead of getting a regular text message, it goes out through the data network and through Apple servers. Mm. Um, so for, for, you know, for the uninitiated user, uh, it looks like a regular text message, but it has in fact not been delivered over the phone company's network. It's been delivered over Apple's network. Right. Um, that's meant for convenience. And I suppose it is in some narrow sense convenient um, until you move security, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but if you move from an iPhone to an Android, there's no mechanism for Apple to announce to everyone that you are no longer using your iPhone. Mm. And so it is basically sending the, all the text messages will continue to be sent to the iPhone that you no longer run. Ooh. Wow. Right. So uh, what's funny is that everybody knows what the problem is, but Apple is not quite sure why it's happening. They have, it's been a bug for over a year and a half. Um, it is still a problem. They don't know how to resolve it. Um, I know for myself and my wife, I had to actually go in and, uh, deregister all of our devices with Apple, Mm. um, in order to kind of clear out whatever the database was, um, and, and fix it so that we could receive text messages again. I mean, just a complete mess. Yeah. I'm surprised it's taking this long. Why why don't you just look at the source code and you could figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, in this case, not even Apple can apparently figure out what's going on from their source code. So yeah. I'm not <laughs> nice. It's terrible. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? Um, oh, let's talk about uh, crime. Yes. So this week in crime, uh, or I guess this was last week in crime, the FBI announced the uh, winners uh, to the corporate hackathon competition mm-hmm. nice. uh, and it was these five uh chinese soldiers actually who were uh put on the fbi's most wanted list i guess uh or they i don't know if they're on the most wanted list but they were they um put out wanted posters anyway oh, uh, for these five guys which is just i don't know i found the whole thing ridiculous um i found it really silly and kind of unnecessarily provocative it's not like like everybody knows that the Chinese are trying to hack us just like we are trying to hack them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to dress it up as if, uh, this, uh, I think totally conventional use of, uh, the military and the intelligence services and kind of dress it up as some kind of crime is, mm-hmm. uh, it's disingenuous and, um, is meant to kind of, uh, fire up your base if you like. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not sure what problem they were solving by announcing that these, that they've identified these five Chinese hackers. Well, if you see their pictures, you could report them. (laughs) Right. You you can see their picture and then you see them like it, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Next time you're wandering around in the basement of unit three, one, two, nine, eight, uh, in Beijing, you can, uh, you'd be like, Oh, I know, I know that guy. I've seen him on the poster. It's silly. Um, but I guess more fun, uh, crime news, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the Russians uh, captured a cigarette smuggling drone, yeah. which I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. So wait, tell me, you you're, you found this, so you tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, so it has this, it, it's, you could think of it as like a, it almost looks like like a balsa wood plane that, you know, remote control plane you would fly. Um, mm-hmm. It's a 13 foot wingspan and uh, it flew uh, close to the ground following GPS waypoints and it, it would release uh, cigarette cartons from its cargo bay at designated drop zones. 
Um, and whenever it was captured, it had uh, 22 pounds of illicit cargo. Wow, it's like some some magical contraband Santa Claus. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so that's great. Well, I, I you know I thought about that, and I'm like, what about you know you think about the war on drugs and you know people doing all these tunnels through Mexico and all that, and you know if if drones are getting so cheap and drugs, the price per pound is very. Um, mm-hmm. costed advantageous you know you could have like this fleet of these really lightweight drones that just fly over and they could be totally autonomous like you, you don't even have to make them radio controlled right so they're mm-hmm. just controlled right. by gps and you lose mm-hmm. them you know even if so many percent get through it's almost like the the v2 rockets in world war ii it's you just launch a, a lot of them you know um yeah it's it, to me that's that's just amazing well and, and it uh it, it it's funny, kind of organized crime and especially drug smuggling uh, is always like wears cow paths for more dangerous stuff later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's this big concern that uh, people will use the drug trafficking channels to deliver like nuclear material, right? Uh, and the idea that you'd be able to have a, a drone with total deniability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you wipe the thing clean of fingerprints and as you say, set it off autonomous, there's no way to trace it back to wherever it came from. Mm-hmm. And so basically you have this like consequence-free delivery mechanism yeah. um, for anything you wanted. It could be drugs, it could be money, it could be uh, dangerous material, pizzas. Um, could be could pizzas, um, unused iPhones, I mean, whatever it is, right? Uh, pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, kind of it, it makes me realize exactly how ill-equipped we are as a society and especially legally yeah. um how how ill-equipped we are to deal with this um or or to the extent that we have to deal with it like maybe this is just the new world and we just kind of we have to accommodate it right yeah and uh, and these things could be as like small as a bird you know so it's not like mm-hmm. you know you're looking for like a a b24 or something you know it's or, yeah. or like a paraglider or something. It could be something that could probably slip through a sensor network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or it could also be as large as a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. The, which leads us to the next story, which is Google unveiled the prototypes for their uh, their driverless cars. Yeah, so no steering wheel, no brake pedals. Um, you just mm-hmm. get in there and go. Yeah, just like a minority report, mm-hmm. right? You get in your little pod and tell it where you want to go, and it, and it takes you there. Um, so why do you think that they took the, cause obviously this was a choice that they made to mm-hmm. take steering wheels and like human controls out. Why do you think they, why do you think they took them out for the prototype when, um, it would have been uh, probably less controversial to, to leave them in? Probably because that, because it is controversial and that gets mm-hmm. press. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, no, I think that's right. And, and like we were saying, you know, building up norms and laws to accommodate this, you know, these tiny, you know, tiny smuggling drones, uh, in the same way, I think this is a way of Google forcing the policymaking apparatus Mm -hmm. to, uh, to start thinking seriously about how it's going to regulate these things if it is at all. Yeah. Um, Well, well, I was thinking about, you know, the last segment with the, the drones plus these passengerless or the, you know, these driverless cars, but what about passengerless cars? Right. So think about like I have um, instead of having a two car household, you could have a one car household where, um, you know, I go to I go to work and the car drops me off and then I send it home and then it takes my wife to work. Um, Yep. You know, now, does that remove cars from the road or does it add cars to the road? 
Um, and then you think about other things too, like a um, the other applications like uh, like a courier service or the postal service. Because I, I saw, I'll have to add the link. There's some legislation that's going on where um, instead of having a mailbox outside your house, they're looking to save a lot of money by having. Um, think of like at the end of your street, there's like a bank of mailboxes, and you could easily have a robot car with an arm that comes out that sticks everything in, and it's it's almost like a um, it, like the mailbox could almost be like some sort of like Dropbox or something where you stick stuff in, and right. Uh, that, well, and we already yeah. we already do this with trash, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about I don't know in your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, the the car the trash guys, the sanitation guys, don't even get out of the truck. Uh, yeah, it's just a robot this, arm. This huge robot arm that mm -hmm. comes and picks it up and drops it off. For long, um, you won't even have the guy driving the truck. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so this is my friend Tim Lee uh, over at Vox wrote about this. Like, he says that like, this could, in fact, mean the end of car ownership, right? Um, yep. If we have these cars that can, as you say, like if it could take you to work and then come back and then take Lauren to school, um, why would you even own that car? Why not just rent it for the amount of time that you need it? Yeah, very much like a Uber sort of thing. And mm -hmm. or, or and then going back on the crime angle, um, think about organized crime where instead of having like a drug dealer, you could have this um, roving drug dealer vending machine that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you hit some app on your phone and, and then a, a car pulls up and it's like a vending machine, you get your drugs, you go, or or driverless contraband of, you know, you know instead of flying the cigarettes, you, you have a, a semi drive them or, and then I, I don't know too, like from a legislation standpoint, how do you get a driverless car to pull over? Um, like a police car pulling over, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how do you, then the other side of it is how do you fake that out? Like you could have the, that, you know, the, you could have the bad guy driving the driverless truck, but what if you have a good guy driving the, uh, like a, a truck filled with TV sets and, um, they're on the up and up, but you get an organized crime person acting like a police officer pulling them over and that gives you the chance to take the cargo out. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, there are a ton of questions built into this, and only a few of them are answered by Minority Report. Yes, um, this is so. this is like a TV show pilot waiting to happen here. So yeah, yeah. exactly. There are so many questions that come from this, um, and one of them, I think, one of the big ones is how do you create a competitive market for passengerless cars, right? For these. Uh, for cars that you can rent on demand mm. because that kind of just like FedEx and and the Postal Service uh, it is naturally a monopoly mm -hmm. um, I, th I think mm. um, it would be very difficult to compete um, one service against another although wait a minute hold on is that true you could do like maybe maybe get the high-end one where they like offer a yeah. wet bar yeah or, um, or you could do um, you can call the Walmart car to drive you to Walmart um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah, that's right. Shuttle services. Yeah. Or, um, or you have the, uh, actually, you plug in your order to Walmart and then a robot car drives it up to your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Fascinating. This is really interesting. Yes. Cool. Uh, of course, you know, we also thought that the Segway would uh, revolutionize urban travel. And uh, so far, all it's done is, uh, <laughs> so far, all it's done is created uh, Wildcat tour operator in DC. <laughs> um, so <laughs> maybe, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. So uh, speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, did you see that uh, somebody is building a worm in software on Kickstarter? No. So there is, uh, I've forgotten the name of it, but there is a extremely simple life form. Uh, it's a worm that's common in dirt uh, and it is very well mapped. 
mm-hmm. um, and extremely well understood. Uh, in fact, it's it's a small enough organism that we can model it in software. Mm-hmm. And that is precisely what Kickstarter is doing, is they are writing open source software that simulates this life form, this mm. simulates this worm. And it's the first time someone will have completely modeled a living thing in software. Oh, uh, cool. So, you know, if all goes off properly, you should be able to kind of predict behavior, um, future development, just super cool projects. So I, I, I put a link to that in the show notes. You could, you could let the worm drive the car. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, right. I see where you're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's see. So what else is going on? Oh, geez. Uh, June 13th, SEADC Emerging, Emerging Technology Summit um, mm-hmm. is going on. And I'll be there and uh, uh, doing the uh, Evolution of the Cloud panel, moderating that. So I'm excited about that. A couple other Red Hatters will be there, too. Cool. Um, and next week, I will be at the Gartner uh, Data Center Symposium in Orlando. Oh, again. Um, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Nice. I can't stay away from Orlando. Uh, yeah, for some reason, despite my best efforts. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what else have we got? Oh, OpenShift G8, mm-hmm. uh, two point, version 2.1 is out. Yes. Uh, so congratulations to the OpenShift team. What's your favorite feature, Dave? Uh, offline developer productivity. So there's... I don't... Yeah, so um, one of the things it's like, oh, I'm, previously, if you wanted to get started right away, you could do everything on OpenShift online, but what about the developer that's like on an airplane or disconnected or something like that? And, uh, you know, uh, Bob Kazdemba did an uh, all-in-one mm-hmm. demo uh, and a little kit for uh, the SAs to go around and, and use in labs and, and for, um, uh, you know, for, for customer um, uh, events and things like that. And um, I don't know if it's actually Bob's effort specifically, but in 2.1, there's actually a VM ISO of an all-in-one uh, uh, build of OpenShift Enterprise, so if, you know you could you could pull it down, you can install it, and it's it's an all-in-one OpenShift uh, VM that's pretty awesome. Wow, that's handy. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, let's see. And then DISA released an update to the Rel six mm-hmm. dig. Um, so if you're in uh, <clears throat> if you're in the DoD and you're looking to lock down your Realm machines, um, there's new guidance for you. Uh, and this is actually uh, again Sean Wells, twenty bucks. Um, this uh, this is based on the uh, SCAP Security Guide project mm-hmm. that uh, Sean yeah. has. Yeah, I'm excited. We got to get him back on the show because he he has he came up to me the other day and was real excited about some updates, and I was running out the door uh, to catch a canceled flight, and uh, so <laughs> so we got to we got to catch up with him because there are some interesting things that he's been working on that he wants to share with everybody. Okay, all right, right on. Um, let's see. What else have I got? Oh, Dan uh, Reisacker uh, wrote in with uh, a sentence sure to enrage me. Um, so you're, you're ready, mm-hmm. Dave. SDN is as big as the original packetization in the network, declared Stephen B. Alexander, SVP and CTO at Siena. Uh, we can light fiber as much as physics will allow. We can create terabit flows, but you'll want to slice these terabits into different missions. SDN will virtualize networks. User bespoke networks, he stated. Um, my God! I, so, Dave, I, <laughs> so then, and, I, and then you had a seizure, or <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, then my eyes roll back in my yeah. head. I went to my safe place. I uh, hopefully you weren't alone when you read this with everybody being out of the house or something. Yeah, for, no, fortunately, uh, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Fortunately, a friend of mine was over and put a wallet in my mouth. <laughs> um, but the, the uh, oh boy, uh, so. 
and I'll tell you what, what is really frustrating when I hear jargon like that um, is first of all, almost nobody knows what any of that means. Um, and right. Yeah. And the fact is that uh, these networks defined in software um, and I think network function virtualization is another kind of buzzword. Mm -hmm. They are hugely important and will significantly change how it is that we run an IT infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's getting overloaded uh, both with this jargon and with these expectations, uh, I just find really frustrating because I think it's distracting people from uh, what they can do today to actually take advantage of it, right? Um, I mean, stuff like the Neutron work in um, in OpenStack. Uh, I was just talking uh, uh, with a customer last week um, and they're already excited about using Neutron um, to make their networks more flexible. Um, and again, we think we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, people are using OpenStack. I didn't intend for this to turn into an OpenStack ad, but here we go. Uh, people are using OpenStack not just for virtualizing their computers, mm -hmm. but also for organizing their storage um, and pro providing a platform on which they can manage their networks. Uh, and I think that's really cool. And I think it gets. I think a lot of people still think about OpenStack in terms of like a replacement for EC2 mm -hmm. um, when when it is in fact something much bigger and much more useful than just yes. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about improv. I, I'm curious, you dropped this link in here and I don't know, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but I actually went to school for this. Really? I am, I am trained. I am trained in the arts of improv. Oh, yes. So I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what did you find? Yeah. So find? I saw an article, uh, it says three ways embracing the principles of improv can change your life. And, and rule number one, or one way is improv can make you a better listener. Um, improv can, number two, improv can make you deal with failures easier. And number three, uh, improv makes us think fast on our feet. And the, the whole thing that I was, that caught my attention with this is this is one of these things that I, it's like in my copious spare time, I eventually want to take an improv class. Uh, you know, just because like a lot of times when people are getting into the industry and they do a lot of public speaking, they always say, oh, take a Toastmasters class. And, and that'll teach you how to do presentations and how to work with people. And and, you know, I think I do pretty well there, but I think improv, uh, like an improv class could help take you to the next level um, in terms of spontaneity and, you know, being an active listener and, and even things like, like for what I do with moderating panels and, you know, doing uh, public speaking, I, I think improv can make you, you know, by having you be a, letter, a better listener um, will allow you to adjust better and, and observe the audience and, and pay attention more to your surroundings. Um, and then if things don't work out, how to recover quickly from them and, and overall just thinking fast. And, you know, another thing that, you know, I always hear about improv is like, you never want to say, uh, but you know, like you always want to build upon what the last person said. Um, because, you know, it's just one of the rules. Otherwise it's like the whole thing breaks down. But, but what about you? I'm sure you, it sounds like you have all kind of Tell me about your improv experience. Yeah, so so I went to a performing arts high school, and then in in college I was a uh, I was a drama major, and so like did my my share of improv. And it's funny when you when you see people write about improv or in when they teach improv classes, the vocabulary they use to describe it does venture into the like religious or spiritual. Um, it's almost teaching improv as a you use the same words uh, to teach like meditation mm -hmm. often um, because it is about being a better listener. It is about um, 
being much more passive and flexible with the kind of circumstances that you're given. Um, One principle that I, that I learned early on and I've tried to apply in my regular life is uh, it's the general case of this and versus, but thing that you were talking about. It's always say Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, No matter what you're given, don't argue, don't argue with it. Don't fight it. Don't push back on it. uh, Because that is, that takes away the creativity from, from the team. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And, you always want to build up on what somebody has done rather than trying to, uh, rather than trying to edit mm-hmm. them, uh, or say no to them. Um, and it's, it, I definitely recommend taking the class. Um, even if you have no intention of doing improv in your regular life, because, uh, you know, you hear us talk about, you know, dealing with failure better and saying yes and becoming a better listener. Um, all that is great on paper, but until you've actually tried to go through the exercise yourself, you don't realize how hard it yes. is. Uh, to not say no. Um, it is really hard to stay, to listen carefully to what someone else is doing and at the same time prepare yourself for what you're going to do mm-hmm. next. Um, it is very difficult to deal with failure when you're doing improv. Um, it is difficult to really like not have control over how a particular scene is going to turn out and you're actually relying not on another person and not on yourself you're relying on the group to actually make sense of a particular situation and you know build build dramatic tension build punchlines things mm-hmm. like that it is it's a it's a nice exercise in uh in in letting mm-hmm. go i guess is the is the best way to describe it um so yeah no, i think it's i think it's great advice um yeah in the same way that people go to toastmasters um, i would strongly recommend taking an improv class i found it really really valuable awesome awesome yeah well good well i think we're out of time and uh here yeah. we are so if people want to uh see all these wonderful links that we have where do we need to send them gunner oh they got to go to uh uh dgshow.org um so that's a D is in drone, mm-hmm. uh, G is in smuggling, mm-hmm. uh, show.org. Nice. And, and send us your feedback, too. I, I know we were compressed for time, and let us know if you actually liked it um, or if you'd rather us dive deeper or however you want us to go. Um, we're always open for feedback. Yes, okay. exactly. All right. Uh, thanks a okay. lot, Dave. Bye. <laughs>